You know, it's it's interesting. I think having accountability partner is huge because I probably would have got a lot slower if I didn't if I wasn't working with Ashton. So it is it is staying in a state of being uncomfortable. And if you are doing this and you're comfortable all the time, chances are you're not growing very fast. Not that fast should be the the goal, but if you did want to scale, you should be uncomfortable. I'm always uncomfortable. I feel like we're always moving so fast, but that's how I am as a character. And so Ashton being an accountability partner is pushing the pace a little bit while I'm putting a lot more of the detail in place. But that that combination is, is really big. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Our guests, two guests, are Chris and Ashton Leverick. They're calling in separately. Ashton's calling in from Afghanistan, and Chris is calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Today, we are talking about team building for real estate syndicators. We get into what that means for passive investors, what passive investors should know about their syndicator or syndication teams that have been built, the systems around that, and really what that means to these guys who have really scaled up very quickly in their real estate investments and are doing extremely, extremely well. It was a great pleasure to talk with these guys. We've done a couple of group interviews so far, and each one seems to go better and better and better. I'm excited to do more of these moving forward. I think you guys are going to learn a lot today. I know I sure did. Teams are so critical in real estate investing. And again, we dig into the teams and systems that these guys have built. If you're new to the show, take a quick second, go to your favorite podcatcher app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit that subscribe button. That way you will get every fresh new episode of the Passive Wealth Strategy Show straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Also, if you enjoy the show and you are a an Apple user, I ask that you take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcasts app, give us a five-star uh, rating and a, a written review. It's greatly appreciated. It helps other people find out about the show. It helps us with rankings in the Apple Podcast store. So it's a great, great, great help to me and the rest of the team here and everything that we're doing. It helps us bring these messages to other people. So if you get value out of this show, please just take one minute and do that. It's a great big help. And I certainly also appreciate reading everything that you guys have to say. I see all those reviews and I appreciate it so, so, so much. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. We also live stream these interviews on YouTube. So if you are a YouTube user, go to your YouTube app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, and smash that like button. As those guys like to say, that always makes me laugh. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the conversation live in the future. Without any further ado, here we go with Chris and Ashton Leverick from Valkyrie Investment Group. Chris and Ashton, thank you for joining us today, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you. Well, we are talking from across the world here. We've got Ashton calling in from Afghanistan and Chris calling in from Phoenix, which is really cool. Guys, would you tell us a bit about your background and how you got into you know the real estate investing strategy you're doing today? Yeah, sure. So a couple of years ago, I was getting ready for retirement, actually, and I had two years left on active duty and we we're looking for other avenues of income, obviously, you know, and Chris has his own story, but he brought up real estate. So 
I had actually heard about real estate a couple uh, years prior to that, but never taken any action on it just because I was so busy with doing what I was doing, focused on what I was doing at that time. So when he brought that up, it just kind of clicked because I had a bunch written down a bunch of notes. So I pulled those up. I'm like, oh yeah, bigger pockets, passive income. Yep, got it. You know, burr investing, multifamily, like that makes sense. And so it didn't take much convincing. And from the time that we talked about it to the time of getting our first deal under contract was somewhere around 90 days. We made like a a challenge and we're like, we'll get something under contract in 90 days. I mean, you know, that first one you never make a ton of money on. It's all about the learning and, and that's the learning curve was huge. But taking action was the biggest part of that. And I think a lot of people miss miss out on that because they try to be perfect on that first deal. But, um, you know, we made a ton of mistakes. We learned a ton. And after that, it was just, we were off to the races. We did duplex after duplex, then a five unit, a 13 unit, 16 unit, 84, 120. And now we're working on a 384. So we learned a lot, but with every one, you know, you... We've been writing down and doing what we call in the military AARs, after action reports. So we just go over what lessons learned and how we can improve on the next one. And we've grown exponentially because we've done that and because we've been working with other people. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Ask him yeah, your I'll, side I'll, of the story. Well, he, he pretty much told the whole story there. So, um, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So we're brothers, obviously. My name's Chris Leverick, and my story is a little different. We both came. In the military, I just got out after four years, 2010, got into IT. I went to ASU here in Phoenix, Arizona, got my IT degree, good salary. So I, I figured it, it'd work for the long haul. But, you know, around 2018, I did notice everybody's telling me, put money away in your 401k. You want to be taxed. At least you can be taxed. And so you got to put all this money pre-tax into this retirement vehicle you'll never see until you're 59 and a half. And then you can only pull so much out. So it didn't quite sit well with me. And there was also some, you know, dips in the market around then. And so that's where it got me interested in real estate, got on the bigger pockets and started talking to my brother. And like you said, it kind of bloomed from there. So it's been fun. That's awesome. That's a, a great trajectory and, you know, a trajectory that most people don't achieve. And today we really wanted to dig into team building, what that means for you guys. And I think more importantly for our audience, what that typically means for passive investors, the, the teams that their sponsors have built, maybe the teams that they can build. So can you tell us a bit, let's hear about, you know, your team building strategy, some of the teams you have in place and you know, what you've done so far to flesh that out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, like you like we always stress this because I think the team is the most important piece. I mean, you could have the best deal and the best market and the best time of the you know century and if you don't have the right type of people in place to execute on that business plan, that deal doesn't, you know, those numbers, those projections, they don't mean squat. So we've learned a lot, you know, from the beginning because we partnered with, we realized the power of bringing in other experts to bring them on the team, you know, from your lender to your real estate agent, to your contractors, to, you know, even starting out small, that's all a part of your team. But we realized that everybody's got to be aligned with the right, with the same vision, have similar values at least, be following a similar strategy, and then complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so that's what we focus on now. And in fact, Chris and I have had multiple meetings about all right, how do we define a good partner? How do we define you know a good person to bring on the team? How are we going to vet these people? You know all that stuff. So we built out criteria just for that, just to make sure that they're going in the same direction as us and they're going to help us out. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. A big part of it too. I mean, it's also working with, you know, whether you're active or a passive investor, or whether you're a syndicator, bigger group, then you're bringing in multiple different roles. It's, it's about finding that alignment. It's about being honest and being open with each other and really communicating because there's oftentimes some investors aren't a good fit for a syndication group. And there's often many groups that aren't a good fit for an investor. And it's not just returns at the end of the day. It's really that alignment of interest, alignment of values, alignment of character. And so if you can get enough of those conversations beforehand, before any project, um, it's going to benefit you in the long run. So I think one of the big things that's always important to consider when building a team and, and getting groups together is not just what do I need from these new team members I'm bringing on or people that I'm teaming up with, but you know, what can I give back to them? How can I add value to them? How does that thought process factor into you know, these team members that you guys bring on, whether it's you know, a, a particular property manager or a broker that you, you know, really begin doing a lot of work with or whatever, you know, how do you think about that and providing value back to them? Well, I mean, yeah, it has to be mutual. I mean, what's that saying? You know, like, do you want to go fast, go alone? If you want to go far, go together, right? That's what it's all about. It, this is a team sport. So if you're not adding to somebody else, they're not going to be on your team very long. If you're not helping someone else, you know, eventually they're going to see that. And it, it's, I'm not saying that you need to go out of your way to, you know, provide a ton of value to everybody, but you should all be complimenting each other, your strengths and weaknesses and helping each other move forward. I don't know if that answers your question, but as far as like passive or active investing, I mean, everybody's got their goals and they all should align. And, you know, it makes it so much easier when you, like Chris said, if no one's going to work with you or at least not for very long until they know, like, and trust you, you know? And so that trust piece is huge, but they have to start off with that, getting to know you, getting to like what you're doing. And that's part of the aligning, aligning the vision, the values, all that stuff. And then, and then trusting you. And so having those conversations, like Chris said, is so important. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. When we first, when we first got our first uh, two duplex, so it was a quad, but it was two duplexes right next to each other. But we partnered, we partnered with a real estate agent that she was not familiar with investing. So real estate investing. And so there was a lot of things that came up. It was like, oh, you guys are going to love this one. These have really nice kitchens, you know, and you're like, well, that's, we're not looking for that. We're looking for value, add, right? So whether you like it or not, she was on our team and we, we, we recruited her, right? And the, the um, you know, the benefits are mutual. She stands to make money. We stand to make money if it's successful, you know, so she, she's part of the team there, but the vision wasn't aligned. And so, yeah, having that alignment and then understanding how you mutually benefit each other, you know, you don't just work for each other or, or another example would be like our passive investors, people that want to invest with us. They're limited partners with us. They're partnering with us for the next, you know, five to seven years. So that's something that you have to take into account. And um, we're not just out here asking people, you know, we're not just taking loans, we're providing an opportunity and they and other people want to invest in that opportunity. So that's where the partnership comes together. So working together is very important and understanding everybody's needs. And then, of course, adding value to everybody is extremely important. Yeah. And what's important to each person in the partnership? That's key to define early and fast and make sure, you know, and then when you when you find out what is important, that's where you'll see if you guys have alignment or not. So nice. Now, one thing that 
uh, strikes me and um, probably tr- strikes some of the listeners out there is just how quickly you guys have scaled up from doing, you know, duplexes slash quads to mid-sized multifamily to now larger, you know, apartment complexes. And um, Ashton, you mentioned a bit earlier about, you know, you do these after action reports, I think you called them, but I'm sure there's more to it. If it was as easy as scaling was as easy as writing down something after you did it, then, you know, everybody would, you know, 4,000 apartment units, no problem. So is there any other, I hate to say this, this term, but secret sauce or something that you, you think sets you guys apart from folks that stick, keep sticking with, you know, duplex here and there. Yeah. I think, I think this is crucial. So I think our, I think Chris will say some of the similar stuff, but there are some keys that have really helped us. So one, Chris and I are very competitive, but at the same time, we're very different. And so when we tackle a problem, we look at it from different angles. And and what I mean by that, so let me back up. So the competitive part, when we first started, it was like, Chris would write a deal, uh, write an underwrite a deal and say, what do you think of this one? And I'd be like, man, he just underwrote a deal. I got to do a deal. So I, I would, and it would just go back and forth like that. And then like, Oh, he found, you know, he found another day and it just kept going like that. Oh, he read this book. I got to go read another book, you know? And so the education piece was huge. And we, so maybe that, maybe the best answer would be we've been each other's accountability partner over the years. And so that really drove us to, to grow faster, go after stuff more. So if you don't have an accountability partner, that helps. I'm part of a mastermind. That's a big you know piece as well. But so so reading books, getting education was a huge piece. And we kept pushing each other to get educa- more educated, more educated. Traction, I don't know if you've read the book, Traction. That was a big one for us in setting up the structure of our business and then understanding who fits in what role. And so that was a big piece in accelerating how fast we could understand the capability of our business and then who else we need to bring on board, right? And Chris, do you want to take it, say anything on that? Yeah, and and you know, it's it's interesting. I think having accountability partners huge because I probably would have got a lot slower if I didn't if I wasn't working with Ashton. So it is it is staying in a state of being uncomfortable. And if you are doing this and you're comfortable all the time, chances are you're not growing very fast. Not that fast should be the the goal. But if you did want to scale, you should be uncomfortable. I'm always uncomfortable. I feel like we're always moving <laughs> so fast, but that's how I am as a character. And so Ashton being an accountability partner is pushing the pace a little bit while I'm putting a lot more of the detail in place. But that that combination is, is really big. If you can't have a direct you know, brother or something like that, a mastermind or a mentor or something like that, those are really helpful. I mean, you know, the, the, a lot of those programs where you go pay a lot of money, sometimes those get heat, but because it's just a lot of money you're putting into a program, I will say there's benefits to that if you don't have something that's going to push you past your comfortable stage where you're just caught in. You know, I, I've talked to people on Bigger Pockets and they've been on there for four years and haven't done a deal. And, you know, I go, well, what are you doing? You know, like if you were, if you're here to make, you know, financial freedom at the pace of one, one property every four years, you're going to be here a while. So what is, what is your goal? And if you're, if you can't do it yourself, go get a partner, go get accountability for that. So. Nice. That's, that's really important. Uh, the, what strikes me is you guys have a, one of the constructive versions of sibling rivalry. You, you <laughs> turn it into something good rather than tearing each other down, which is, which is awesome. 
And uh, in the book Traction, you know, we've had one of Gino Wickman's co-authors, Mark Winters, on the show previously. I've talked with him. And you know, a lot of those books in that vein talk a lot about you know delegation, kind of knowing your role in an organization, particularly an entrepreneurial organization. I, I don't pretend to be an expert on you know any of that, most of that content, right? But I do have at least some understanding of it. And really, the question I want to lead to now is how have you guys translated that and decided, you know, which of you guys is going to be say the visionary or the integrator or any of these other terms that these guys like to apply to entrepreneurship? I don't think too many of those roles are at least at the top level are you get to pick and choose. Honestly. I mean, we, when we started working at first, we thought, we thought we had to wear every hat and do everything in the business. And we did. And um, we figured out pretty quickly, like, like I'm not really good. And maybe it's not because I'm not good. It's because I don't like it. I don't like underwriting deals. I don't like going through the details. And whereas Chris, maybe he doesn't like underwriting details or the deals either, but he's really good at setting up the processes to automate the business. And so as far as deciding who's the visionary, deciding who's the integrator, deciding all that stuff, there was, there was another tool we used and Tony Robbins uses it a lot. If you're familiar with Tony Robbins, he uses the disc profile and um, you can actually go on his website and do it for free. I think it gives you an abbreviated version of it, but at least you get a good idea of what, what it offers, but it, it really, and actually when I was going through selection to get into my special operations unit, that was one of the things they used. And I remembered that and I brought it up. And, and so we had everybody on the team do it. And anytime we do a new hire or anything, we make them go through that just to see where they're going to fit in, you know? And so that's where we found out that Chris and I were complete opposites. So where I was more of a, well, you got to do the, I don't want to go into the whole details, the whole personality thing, but yeah, we were complete opposites. And then it just, it kind of clicked. You're like, oh, we'll use that with the, the structure provided by attraction. This just makes sense. And then, you know, there were other roles that we filled in at the time and then started adding other people. But yeah, that was a huge part of it. Yeah, we're about uh, nine nine people now, and you know, four four of those are our direct families. So my, you know, me and my brother and our wives are now part of the team, and they do a lot, and they've gotten really good at their positions, you know. But then we additionally have four or five positions that are virtual assistants, and these are you know not necessarily like five dollar positions. They're actual you know well paid people we know and trust, and they're doing key functional roles. And they've just totally helped the business, but all of them have done a personality test. All of them, we've examined their strengths, weaknesses, where they fit. And some we've had to move on from and some we've had to replace and that kind of thing. You know, you don't always nail it right off the bat, but doing a personality test, understanding where you're lacking, what's going to move the needle the most in your business. You know, just because another um, business hired these people in this order doesn't mean that's what you need. You know, so what's going to move the needle in your business the most? And and that's where we did it. And that's how we did our personality tests. Hmm. Interesting. So as you, you know, filled out those roles, especially as you got beyond, you know, family members and started bringing in virtual assistants, how did you decide what roles needed to be filled for your business? I know it's not necessarily the same for every other business out there, but in, in yours in particular, how did you, you know, identify those needs and then ultimately make decisions around, you know, where to hire and, and who to place in those positions? Yeah. I mean, 
I'll jump in. I I think part of it really is is finding what you messed up on, <laughs> and then applying extra there. You know, and if you're not good at that, go find someone who is good at that. So a lot of the you know a lot of the virtual assistants that we do have, we have two two wonderful ladies, um, you know, Olivia and Lauren, that are doing investor experience, investor relations. They're the communication, you know, and uh, Vivian, my my brother's wife, is doing a lot of the uh, automated communications and the newsletter per month and. I was doing a lot of that, but I wasn't doing it very well. And I wasn't doing it timely. And I wasn't, you know, showing that I'm available all the time because I wasn't. I wasn't there all the time to do that. I was doing multiple hats. So we it came down to getting clear on what we wanted to be as a business as well. What is our niche? And part of it was getting really good at the investor experience, that communication, that, that um, you know, when someone comes in, how can we make it more automated? How can we also show that we are there, that we are a live person, that we are talking with them and guiding them and teaching them the whole way? Because for someone just starting in real estate, it can be pretty scary, um, you know, when you're just used to a index fund and a 401k. So we wanted to be that teaching kind of, you know, guide them through the whole process of doing this thing called real estate investment or real estate syndication or whatever you want, you know, active or passive um, you know, we do we do a training per month. We do a mastermind per month where we're doing that with people. Uh, so it's we wanted to be that niche down. When you figure out where you're going as a company, then you hire the people around to support your your strongest, I guess, area that you're trying to get grow into. You know, we didn't go hire five underwriters in India or Philippines because that's not what we're doing. We're not doing deal flow as much. So that's that. Hopefully, that answers a bit. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate uh, that insight, and then also the reasoning behind uh, how you made those decisions and, and filled those roles. Right now, we're going to take a quick quick break for our sponsor. All right, guys, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you both ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Uh, that's Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I think the best investment I'd make is a daily investment into myself. So, and I know you're kind of trying to get away from the education piece. I'm, I'm not going to say education, but I will say educating and expanding your mindset and your perceived potential, I think is a huge piece. And by, by doing that, you know, the best investment is taking action every day. So every day taking da- daily action towards your goal will get you one step closer than you were the day before. So even if it's a small action, you know, reading a book or making a phone call or making a $10 million offer, like those are things you're always taking action. If you're always taking action, that becomes a habit and then you get results and then you change your beliefs, your potential changes, and it just keeps going and going and going. So nice. Yeah. As a choice, I lived in France for two years. I think it was one of the best investments I ever did for myself, my character as a monetary investment buying this house I'm in right now in 2014 at near the near, you know, it was steadily rising market, but I've been able to take a home equity line of credit on this property and used it to buy over 42 rentals to getting started. So cycling them through Burr and through multiple investments. So it's been super useful. Nice. Awesome. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Chris, you want to answer first? Yeah. Well, I mean, personal investment. I bought a Jeep that was brand new. It was terrible. Uh, I had lost a lot of money on that. (laughs) But yeah, for real estate, what I don't know. We just sold the two first duplexes we bought. We didn't lose money. Let's say that. But 
uh, it was a lot of work for for what we got out of it. So nice. Yeah, Ashton's a positive one. I'm more the detail <laughs> numbers one. Dude, we're completely opposite. Like I said, I'm more of the visionary, big picture. I hardly ever see the bad part of anything. <laughs> That's why this this question's tough for me. So I think good. the worst. Yeah, it is <laughs> the worst investment. Yeah, the first deal was a tough one. We learned a lot, but it was, um, you know, we underestimated the rehab by what, like eighty thousand on a four- well, for forty five thousand, I guess you could say, because we estimated like forty thousand. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it became ninety eighty five ninety thousand. So, so we had to scramble to make sure we had the money to cover the rehab. So that that was a tough one, like Chris said. I think the worst investment would be not investing. I didn't focus on my finances until I was 38. So all I wanted to do was, you know, jump out of planes, go to war and, you know, do the do stuff, do other stuff. So I never really looked at my finances. I never, that was the lack of investing is probably the worst investment I made. Yeah. Lost time. Yeah. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Chris, you got a good answer for that one right off the bat? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'll probably highlight on, on again, the, the staying uncomfortable because it's, it's a big thing for me. I, I don't like being uncomfortable. I like knowing all the answers. I like having all the details before I go in and we were starting this business two years ago. I started with that mindset and what I've learned uh, over having the business is if you're not expanding and if you're not staying uncomfortable and your business isn't growing, you're most likely declining or you're, you know, plateauing about the decline. <laughs> you're on a P, you know, you're on a Mesa. And I didn't think that way. I, I, I thought the, the more informed I am, the better I'm going to beat my competitor. competitor I'm going to have a better business. But we know that's not true. We see businesses all the time. They go out, they put out a product with tons of bugs and it does way better than someone who never put a product out, obviously, because nobody sees the product. But so that's it. Stay uncomfortable. You know, I, I didn't know that going in and it's it's a true life lesson. So, yeah, I think to, yeah, to key off Chris there, and I apologize, it's like 4.30 in the morning here. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think part of that is clarity, right? And um, I often tell people like, it's about clarity, commitment, and take an action daily. And I know I talked a little bit about action already, but clarity is the big one. So people, we get asked a lot of times, like, what should I do? Should I invest in multifamily? Should I do mobile home parks? Should I, should I liquidate my 401k, whatever? Like people are always asking those kind of questions, like, but that's, everything's gonna be different for every other person. But the truth is like, what do you really want out of life? And I say this so much, Chris is probably going to smile, but I think like Joe Rogan says a great quote. It's like, if your life was a movie and you were the hero of that movie, what would you do? Now go do that, right? So what do you want out of life? Like, why are you waiting? You know, are you waiting to retirement to find financial freedom? Are you waiting till you're 60 to actually recoup those, that money and be able to travel and go see your kids or whatever it is? Or, or do you want to be able to do that now? You know, and I'm not saying it'll happen overnight, but having that clarity of where you are going in life is so key. And I think a lot of people don't explore their, what they truly want out of life. And therefore they don't ever get the commitment or get an option to take action on that. And it's partly because of our, you know, upbringing where they're like, oh yeah, go to high, finish high school, go to college, get a job, work till you're 40 something, retire, and then maybe 
get another job and then retire again at 60, you know, at least that's how it is in the military. You know, you retire after 20 years, but the point is like, people don't realize what's possible because they don't ever give their vision a chance. You know, everybody like takes the status quo for that's how I have to do it. But there is so much opportunity out there, especially if you just start looking and get clear about what you want and then make that commitment, commit to it. Like failure is not an option. I'll tell you, that's one thing I learned in the military. Like when you go after something like we don't, yes, you have all these contingencies and there's a possibility for failure. But, you know, when you go in for like a hostage rescue, you are not, there is no option to back away. We're going, that's it. (laughs) We're not going to leave them, right? We're going in. So taking that type of being super clear about what you want, taking that commitment because when, and also when you're committed, even if you do fail, you learn, and then you go back and do it again better. So there is no actual failure. There's only success and learning (laughs) and then taking action every day allows for that. So yeah, I think yeah. start with clarity though. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you waking up early to talk to us today and both of you guys for joining us and bringing these lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about your deals and everything, where can they find you guys? Sure. Yeah. Make it real easy. There's a website, valkyriegroup.com, V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. Everything's on there. You can contact us. You can see what we got. We got an ebook and we got a mastermind every month. But if you just want to contact us directly, we're both on LinkedIn. Chris Leverick, Ashton Leverick, we're both on Bigger Pockets. Feel free to reach out. All right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us once again, guys. And to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. We're also live streaming these interviews on YouTube. So if you'd like to join the conversation live, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell and smash that like button. And we will see you there on the next one. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Be sure to subscribe to the Passive Wealth Strategy Show on your favorite podcatcher, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you.